0: ethos. If you've ever dreamt of getting off the corporate treadmill or maybe even leaving a career path that you once thought you'd love forever, but maybe your goals have changed, this episode of The Next Simple Step is for you. Lauren Dubinsky, a year ago, you had a successful career in advertising, having worked with some big brands, including Coke, DreamWorks, AT&T, many others. You've left it all to create your new dream job, which is what exactly? Tell us about it.
1: That's a great question. Right now, I tell people that I design gardens and I teach people how to grow their own food.
0: That's amazing. And uh, so how did you uh, come to that? like what what was the inspiration for making that giant leap from being you know this advertising marketing exec to I think I'm gonna grow a garden and and help <laughs> other people do that. That's a big jump.
1: It is a big jump. Uh, and yet, I guess it feels so natural. I mean, COVID definitely did a lot of things for a lot of people. Um, It gave us a lot of time to reflect, and I for sure was one of those. Uh, I had been, I would say, unfulfilled in advertising for the last several years, but I was so lucky. I mean, I was working with really great people. As you mentioned, I had amazing opportunities, um, and it, it was really a great career, but Sometimes you just know inside like something's off. This is maybe I'm living like someone else's dream job right now. And so about four years ago, I left L.A. and moved to North Carolina and we bought our first home, which was amazing. And I really threw myself into redoing the backyard and just getting rid of as much like concrete as possible and getting to garden, I guess, as an adult for the first time. And man, I was just hooked. Like every minute, every hour that I spent outside, I just felt more myself than I could remember feeling for a very long time. And I never ended up graduating from college. Like I dropped out of school twice. Uh, and so during COVID, I was like, this is a great time. Like everyone's doing online classes now, so I don't have to figure out how to leave my office job in the middle of the day to like go take a class. Uh, So I enrolled in community, like in a local community college here for their horticulture program because I always regretted not going to school for science or biology or something in that space. And I started taking some soil science classes and plant biology classes and landscape design classes. And I just knew. I was like, oh, this is it. If I ever get the chance to spend almost all my time on this, this is the thing. And so I didn't know that until... I guess I was maybe 33, 34. So it definitely took me a while to find my thing.
0: Well, 33, that's still pretty young for finding your thing. There's people in their you know, 60s, 70s that are still trying yes. to find it, right? And so that, yes. that's incredible. You still have a lot of life to live and, and you're doing your thing. And so I think that's fascinating. And also that idea that you go back to school to learn something useful, something that you actually want to learn rather than just to get a certificate you put on the wall. Hey, there's an idea.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, I have two nephews um, or cousins that are going through this right now. Like they're in their 20s and they're in college and they don't know what they want their degree to be. And I don't know if I'm giving good advice or bad advice, but I'm like, hey, just take the classes that you think are cool. Because at the end of the day, it's a learning experience. Just pick the things that you want to learn about. Don't worry about the track or the program. Like give yourself a year to mess around. I did that and I don't regret it for a second. So
0: no, that's amazing. And I can imagine you took a bit of a pay cut and uh and so how did you plan for that? It like that's a big jump.
1: It's a huge jump. It's been a really big lifestyle difference, but I remember man, even like 5 or 6 years ago when I just felt in my body that like this is not what I want to do forever. And if you're a creative person and you think your' calling's like in a creative field, most of the time, you know, like well, I'm probably not going to make a ton of money doing that. So I've really practiced, hey, let me make sure that I can actually live a lifestyle with less because I think that's a huge thing for people. Like it's very easy to live the lifestyle of whatever job you have that year. Um, but I was really afraid of making a big decision and maybe not having as much income for a short season or for many years and then realizing that was like creating other problems that I maybe wouldn't be able to solve or maybe it would create so much stress or anxiety for me that it would undo like the peace that I was finding in a new career choice and so I would say for the last five or six years I mean I just saved everything um, and I tried really hard to not spend it just because I had it and I also it's hard to talk about this without mentioning the privilege I have and I'm also partnered and that's a really big thing because um, a lot of people don't have another person to kind of share expenses with and it's really hard to buy a home these days and so it's really hard to have access to property or land if you want to garden and so it's weird. I do I do carry a little bit of guilt because I think when, you know, changing from one career to another really often can feel like such a luxury um, But on the flip side of that, like I've worked very, very hard to save um, and just that's my best advice. Also, just like do a practice budget, just pick a super low number, your baseline, what you think you can live on. And as long as you know that you can, it really gives you more options than you think um, for making a a transition uh, or just picking a new way to live. So it was fun. It was hard sometimes, but it honestly was very freeing to do that.
0: For sure. And I can relate to that about, I'm a little bit older than you, uh, about 10 years ago when I turned 30, I was in my dream job. I'm like, well now what? (laughs) And, and, and I I felt like, oh, I also have these things called golden handcuffs and man, that is such a privilege, as you said, like I'm in such a privileged position, but I want to do something else. And I did, I, you know, I, I took a leap and took a big pay cut and I, and actually a really bad job but it was such a blessing because it taught me my life isn't just my job my identity isn't just tied up in my yes. job and i started learning other skills and things and ended up becoming an entrepreneur as a result so i wouldn't change that for anything uh but uh you're you're absolutely right you have to sort of you know evaluate like i think sometimes it's it's this sunk cost idea that man, I've I've worked so hard to get where I'm at, I can't quit now. Right. And Um, we we definitely adapt to uh we adapt to our current level of income. So every raise I've got, I find some way to spend it. And so (laughs) I love what you said about, you know, like try do a trial budget before you, you know, quit the job with the salary. Like figure out, you know, what's the minimum amount you can live on. And you might be surprised that it's a, a lot less than maybe what you're used to.
1: It is. And I remember too, like a year ago, um, well I quit in February and you know, a couple months before that I just started like canceling every subscription that I had and even things that I thought I really wanted. And it's amazing when you fill your time with the things that really make you happy, how little you miss like an HBO subscription that you thought like, yeah, I totally need to have that. That's like my one channel. (laughs) It just was not. For sure.
0: No, a- about now, every about once a month, I go through and just start canceling things because <laughs> like, I sign up for free trials and I forget I have them and I get a bill and it's like, it's crazy the amount of money we just waste on stuff we don't use uh, for sure. And yes. I'm speaking from personal experience.
1: It adds up so fast. Um, it really does. And I have been so shocked at despite the like financial restrictions that I have around my current situation, just because I am living with less, I'm surprised at how like free and happy I feel. Like I don't actually feel the emotion of restriction. And that was something I thought I would feel. Um and maybe one day, but man, it just it feels better than what you <laughs> you might anticipate.
0: I'm gonna write that down. The emotion of restriction, uh you know, I think we thrive with with restriction because otherwise we become gluttonous in, in whatever category it's like too much of anything is is a bad thing for sure.
1: It really is. And I actually was going to bring this up because we have like the freedom of choice right now too. And like, we have so much more information and choice than kind of any other generation. So I feel like, You know, I've been listening to your podcast. I feel like the other kinds of people that are listening to your podcast are probably the ones that almost have like some real heartburn around like, I want to do something else. Like, how can I get myself into this other thing? And Someone told me to like depressurize my situation a few years ago. And that was really helpful because the internet right now and like Twitter and TikTok is very much, it's very pro, like, quit your job. You could be a thousand percent happier as your own boss. Like, you could have a thousand percent, you could be a thousand percent richer as your own boss. Like, create passive income. Like, wealth is just around the corner. And, you know, it's really not always true. And chances are, like, if you're the person listening to this podcast, chances are you've probably made better decisions in your life, like up to this point than you think. And mm-hmm. like, you are okay. And like, groundwork is slow. And I think it's okay to be where you are and to do very slow, methodical steps forwards. Because the internet mm-hmm. gives like this crazy sense of urgency mm-hmm. of like, quit your job at the end of this year. Right. And yeah, it can be kind of paralyzing and can create a lot more stress on top of whatever else you're feeling.
0: I don't know if anybody else, I know I needed to hear that. So thank you because the depressurize <laughs> resonates. And here I'll confess, uh, I'm a big fan of optimization and yeah. I've I've really taken this whole wellness optis- optimization thing. Pretty far, you know. I did the continuous glucose monitor, and it's like, really, do I need to know every minute of my <laughs> blood sugar? And again, it plays a place of privilege. I don't struggle with diabetes or you know any actual health. I'm really healthy, um, but yet it's like, you know, how can I optimize so that every minute of every day is dialed in on uh, the glucose levels? And it's like, you know, to is that helpful? Is that useful? Like I've actually. <laughs> To your point, like I've been made pretty good decisions. I eat fairly healthy. I exercise a lot, and you know all of that. And so, that's a really good word that people are trying to sell things. And and it seems like uh, the more extreme voices, uh, you know, that's how they make money by getting your attention and selling you. And I guess what's a mind trip for me is there's people with letters next to their name, people that like actually have certifications, doctors and psychiatrists or whoever that should be professionals that are saying some pretty extreme things. <laughs> and so uh anyway, I know we got a long way from gardening there. It's like but that was a really good word as far as like man, uh depressurize and maybe don't believe everything you read on the internet.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, too. You know, I come from advertising, which that's a business and most people that are investing their life in the world of advertising or something similar, you know, they're fr- they're financially oriented. If they're thinking of leaving, it's often to be an entrepreneur or start their own company. Um, and so a lot of us are listening to all of this, you know, advice about like quit your job and start something new. But I, I really feel like there's two totally different camps of this. I feel like there's this one category of quit your job and start your company because it's wealth driven. And, and it is based on like a true reality, which is if you are trying to accumulate wealth, which is fine it's very hard to do that without ownership because that's like the cornerstone of living in a capitalist society, right? Like you you have to be an owner, have capital. Um, But there's like very particular advice that you should be listening to if that first camp is how and why you're trying to quit your job and start something new. But there's this whole other category that people talk a lot less about, which is You know, you feel like you're out of sync with like your values and the lifestyle that you want to have, and you're not feeling the way that you want to feel. And that, you know, you can work less hours, or you can quit your job, or you can just make lifestyle changes, or you can start your own company. But that's a different, like, set of advice, you know, when you're trying to make decisions based on values and lifestyle. And so, just this idea that like, you're in search of a daily routine that's a better reflection of yourself or your needs. Yeah, and if that lifestyle that you want is one with less stress and less anxiety, then for the love of God, don't be listening to advice that gives you stress and anxiety. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> wow, what an idea. Yeah, you know? that's great. Absolutely. Yeah, that's hard. hard. It is. Well, and something you shared on uh, Twitter I thought was pretty profound. You said, choose a career that's based on putting good into the world and competition disappears when your goal is universal progress. Everyone becomes a partner in the mission.
1: Thanks for thanks for bringing that up. I try really hard to sit down and think about it about once a month. Uh, coming from the world of branding and advertising, you know, you learn early in life that you've got to create something that's better than what everyone else is doing and if you study branding and brand strategy it is on having wildly clear differentiators Mm -hmm. being superior having more excellence and really just winning this idea of competing and winning um so when i created florical and went through the branding exercise and just for shits and giggles like wrote my own mission my own values it's really easy to get competitive like it's it is crazy how easily i will have a twinge of ego when i see someone else in like the garden or landscaping field <laughs> and be like oh they're doing better at this than me or oh i think maybe she copied my idea or oh i want to be like this and i don't know how i get there or oh this just looks better than what i'm doing mm-hmm. but yeah like i did not leave advertising to be the best at gardening. Like that is a ludicrous <laughs> idea.
0: <laughs> it's it's sort of, yeah, it's uh, it's antithetical, right? It's the uh, it's yeah. the complete opposite reasons I can imagine for why you started the garden in the first place, to bring you closer to nature, to escape the whole competitive advertising world.
1: Totally opposite. Yes. And like as a kid, I had some rough moments in my childhood and where I felt safest was being outside, having the experience of knowing where my food comes from, growing green beans, mm. picking roses. And I want so many kids to have that experience. And I live in a like a, a small to mid-sized city. Like there's 300,000 people in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And if I want 300,000 people to have the experience of having a garden or having access to food, What insanity to think that I as one single person would be able to achieve that. Like I will be the most successful if I'm in a city where within years, like hundreds of people here are doing exactly what I'm doing. And I will be, I think, the most successful if I'm just part of that community and like helping encourage and teach inside that community. And so yeah, when you when you really do have a mission that is based on doing something good, you realize how many more of you is needed. Um, yeah.
0: Well, if you believe in the mission, yeah, you want to scale it and you can't do that alone.
1: You really can't.
0: Right. And so you mentioned your your newsletter is called Floracult, your company as well, and you yes. started a garden club. How's it going?
1: Oh, man, it's so fun. I don't know why I didn't think of it so much earlier. <laughs> It, um, you know, so many people want to learn how to grow year round or just take care of all the stuff that's in their yard. And it's really overwhelming. Like even if you have a new apartment or new house, there's probably like like hundreds of plants that you just don't know about. And so it's such an awesome, I mean, the Garden Club is a great way to just once a month, like sit with a group of people virtually and say, oh, it's November. This is what needs to be pruned. Like this is what you should be planting. This is the seed that you should buy. Because uh, constantly wondering every couple of days, like, should I be doing something right now? Is there a plant that needs to be transplanted? And not knowing can really get to you. So just having a group of people to like navigate that with is super fun. I would say really, though, the newsletters is my favorite part. I I started a newsletter not for anyone to read, but because I missed writing and I was like researching and, and learning so much that I needed like a, a weekly practice of just synthesizing everything I was learning. Because if I rewrite it in my own words, like that's what helps me learn and helps me remember. So I was like, great, I just, you know, get on Substack and write my stuff down. And so many people read it. It's crazy.
0: Well, yeah, I, to I, I, to me, it's crazy. No, it is crazy. I'm learning so much. I got to tell you, because I thought the idea of a garden was a good one. And, uh, this last spring, uh, I bought, you know, all the supplies and then, uh, ended up, you know, my wife ended up doing all the work, let's be honest. And because I was overwhelmed, I didn't know, like, what well, yeah. I don't know where to start. And so I learned like, there's such a thing as a winter garden, first of all. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought like we had to wait until springtime to start over, right? Uh, I also learned uh, you shouldn't – you don't necessarily need to rake your leaves. What's up with that?
1: This is just wild. I mean, okay, so grass, first of all, does not – like it doesn't really exist in the wild, like turf, like the kinds of grass that we grow in our lawns. It's not a thing that you see in nature. It's pretty much a man-made-like construct. And so it's this whole – It's this whole uh, thing in our society that is really kind of built on either status for us as people to like, you know, we have our stuff together and look nice in this neighborhood. And then Mm -hmm. it's just a huge industry that is really run on pesticides and Mm -hmm. fertilizers and a a lot of both synthetic and organic materials being shipped around the country, around the world to try to get this stuff that does not want to grow where it has been planted to grow. And so a lot of people put way more emphasis on like keeping their grass green or super lush right. than they do just on like gr- keeping their property healthy or like sustaining the wildlife on their on their property or bringing pollinators in. And so I don't know who who just started freaking out about the leaves, but yeah, leaves, they naturally decompose like within a year or two, they fall. And so trees they drop their leaves. And then when those leaves uh, decompose, it is like free fertilizer for that tree. The trees basically exist like on a cyclical loop where they feed themselves and everything in their own little micro environment. Um, And not only food, like not only is there a lot of nutrients in the leaves and like nitrogen and carbon, but it actually is probably the best thing to improve the structure of the soil, which is what like retains your water and helps you not need as much water in the summer or in the hot months, and it uh, really feeds all of the microbiology in the soil, and it helps the insects overwinter so you have good bugs in the spring, so you don't have bad bugs in the spring. And once I learned that, only a couple of years ago, I just thought it was hilarious. Like, man, we're getting free fertilizer right. every year, and we're spending all this time to ship it out so that we can then like buy it from a chemical company in the spring, so...
0: Okay, so mind blown right now. Uh that's amazing, but how will I show my neighbor I'm better than him cuz you know, we try to compete with our <laughs> our lawns, right? <laughs> so you're taking that away from me, but uh you know, that is pretty profound. What other things do we believe or we just do because that's what we're marketed to. That's what we're taught yeah. to do, and we yeah. don't know any better and and we're stressing out about it. like I got go, you know, got to go rake the leaves or or use a uh you know, a gas-powered blower. <laughs> <laughs> to, oh my God. to clean it up like what on earth
1: i know i actually really don't like blowers and it's probably the at this point it's like tied for first marriage argument because my husband is obsessed. <laughs> like my husband is obsessively it's a,
0: it's a power tool it's, it's yeah yes. it's invigorating
1: and man i'm a big fan of power tools okay i use uh-huh. the most in this in this household uh-huh. <laughs> But the leaf blower is so disruptive it just it blows stuff around it blows all this dust and the dust coats my plants and it is just a carrier of like funguses and viruses and it's just disturbing everything where it sits um it's probably not that bad but like it really bothers
0: Uh, me (laughs) that's hilarious okay well i didn't want to meddle uh in the marital argument there but that's uh that is fascinating (laughs) So, you, you've got this newsletter, The Garden Club, and uh, where do you uh, find mentors for this sort of thing?
1: That's a really great question. I do follow a lot of people online, but I spend a lot of time at our local, like, botanical garden. Mm-hmm. I frequent a couple of uh, nurseries here that specialize in native perennials. And so, if you think about like when you go to buy plants, there's kind of two categories of plants. There are native plants, which those are ones that would grow in the wild in your region. And they usually have been bred a little bit just to look nicer or be more resilient and like look better in a landscape. So there's those natives and then there's ornamentals. And so ornamentals are plants that come from a totally different environment or country and they're kind of spread around the world just because they look really they're just beautiful they're really bright colorful and so in the seven I this long been an answer but particularly like in the 70s and 80s I think America just got obsessed with ornamental plants from uh, different places in Asia predominantly and so that kind of took over our landscaping Um, Now there's kind of this resurgence of planting stuff that grows in your region naturally, which is great because it takes way less water, less fertilizer, like less work for you. It's better for the bugs. So what I found is that a lot of people that work at nurseries that specialize in those, like they have been lifelong studiers and learners of not just gardening or growing in general, but what's happening in my zone, what's happening in my region or in my city. And so I spend a lot of time talking to them. Uh, Usually they're really great and they'll answer all kinds of crazy questions that you have.
0: That's really important because I can imagine you're developing some real friendships out of that as well because you're meeting people in your neighborhood.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. And also like the old ladies are where it's at.
0: Uh Well, I didn't want to say that because, uh, but since you said it, it's like gardening is typically thought of as an old lady or uh, sport, <laughs> something you do after you retire. And are there uh, are you noticing a lot more uh, people your age that, that are uh, really picking up gardening?
1: Oh, yeah. It's massive. I mean, I'll speak both to the age thing and the gender thing, because it's yeah. really interesting. You know, I definitely grew up thinking that it was older women, predominantly mm-hmm. the garden, and it was kind of this luxury or hobby. And then when I actually started uh, studying gardens, I found that historically it's been like a very masculine activity because gardens really existed um, at the places of like extravagant wealth, like kings built gardens, like most of the gardens that we go to, especially across Europe or the Middle East, they were built by men with extraordinarily extraordinary wealth as really like a display of power. It's interesting that historically gardens have been actually more masculine and then over the last couple of maybe generations they've skewed more female but when I started working with people this year every person would tell me these stories about oh my grandpa always had this garden like my grandpa and I thought that was interesting so now my friends actually call me Grandpa Lauren because uh, they- <laughs> they all had a grandpa that did what I do. Uh Um, but yes, so many people in their twenties and thirties, man, are just, everyone knows everyone feels really separate from the food that they're eating. Everyone feels really separate from just the earth and nature. Mm -hmm. People are so curious to learn Mm -hmm. how things work and to also just create something that they love in their own space and so i'm so excited at how fast gardening is growing in the u.s especially
0: wonderful and well you're helping to accelerate that so what's the next simple step for somebody that doesn't know where to start and they want to start a garden do they need to wait till the spring or should they start now what what's the next simple step
1: it's a really good question um so it's November right now, and I will say that November is actually, November, December are probably the hardest two months of the years to start something new. The first thing I would say is Google your zone, and so just type in your zip code and find out what your zone is, and then find like one or two people on Instagram or on YouTube that live in your zone that are posting about gardening. That's like the fastest way to cut through all of the gardening noise online and figure out what's right and what's relevant for you and like your climate and your weather. And then I'm in zone seven, which we have cold winters, but it's somewhat moderate. And so I can actually grow things here from about February to December. So January is really December. Yeah, December, January is really the two months where things don't grow here. Um, But like what's growing in my garden in November right now is kind of what's been started in August or September. So I would say find a person online in your zone and then be prepared to plan your garden starting in like that week between Christmas and New Year's is clutch for planning. Because you want to buy some seeds online probably and those sell out in January Um, or you can just skip and – buy some stuff in the spring when everything is readily available Uh, and just don't stress about how much information there is just put stuff in the ground like plants want to grow people think it takes a lot of work and it doesn't it just takes a lot of attention and attention is different than work you don't have to go work in the garden every week or every day but you do have to just go look at it Um, and so that's also if you want to get started just start building it into your daily life. Just go look,
0: just go look. I will have to give a plug for um, my wife's great grandfather started a seed company. So if you're looking for seeds, (gasps) you can check that out. out. Uh, It's the Jung Seed Company, Jung, J-U-N-G, seed.com. So that's where all of our seeds came from, family business there. Uh, But amazing. uh, I think that's great. I think this is a great time of year to start kind of planning it rather than set New Year's resolutions in January that, nobody sticks to right now is the time where you can really start planning. And, and that's great advice. Find people locally in your area because it's, it's contextual. What you can do here is different than somewhere else. And, uh, and you might actually make a friend out of that. So that's fantastic. Uh, All right. Last question. uh, Next simple step uh, as far as, okay, so you, you've got this Pull you want to follow a a, a passion, and what would be a a step you could take to kind of figure out what that is for you? You went back to something you did as a child that brought you peace. Mm, And, um, you know, what advice would you give to someone else that it whether it's gardening or something else?
1: My advice is to be comfortable with laying the groundwork and resist the urge to like jump in a thousand percent right now. Mm. I think. Groundwork is really slow and takes some time and it's full of exploration and learning and just kind of collecting experiences that you will use later. Operating is fast, you know, like quitting or doing something big or trying to build something that takes like 100% of your energy and time. And so I think typically when we feel like there's a pull for something new, we want to make really big decisions. We just want to like quit and go, right, or make these huge resolutions. But it was really helpful for me once I started feeling that initial pull of maybe there's something new. Um, It was helpful for me to accept that I was just in a season of groundwork and it might be for six months, it might be for two years, and it was okay that I didn't know. I just really started choosing like meaningful acts that I sort of had a sixth sense would maybe be important experiences or important credentials for when I made a decision later, you know? So I said, well, I want to just see what it's like to try to grow all of my own food for one season. Mm -hmm. Um, I really know that soil is important, but I don't know that much about it. So how can I just look at a community class um, schedule and like take that one class for that one thing? Um, writing a newsletter to make sure that I actually enjoy doing like that type of work consistently and just thinking about it that consistently. So just, I mean, choose the little things and commit to doing them consistently because when you do start something big, that the doings take so much more energy and then you may realize that you actually miss out on the learning. Um, wow. and, the, and the learning, the researching, the reading, the watching YouTube videos, the meeting up with people in your city or online to ask them questions. Often that's the part that's the most fun.
0: The learning. We don't have to be an expert. And I know that that's something for me to just remember to be curious, which sounds like you just are mm-hmm. innately curious. And so you went back to school to learn the things you didn't know and you yeah. started figuring <laughs> things out and it wasn't big coming an expert in the subject but rather just becoming a learner.
1: 100%. And my other my other answer to that is like be really reflective of what your values and what kind of lifestyle you want. Take a lot of time to say how do I think this is going to make me feel once I get to this place? Like write down your feelings. Spend some time imagining what it's going to feel like to get there and then think about what are things that I can do right now to have this feeling. And you may really find that you can experience a lot more peace or joy or happiness or fulfillment in your life without making a huge pivot. Um, which honestly blowing, is ideal.
0: <laughs> Yeah, without blowing everything up. And yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just- and like And
1: maybe blowing it up later is great. And you should do that. I'm a huge fan of blowing things up, but like (laughs) also let's be real because we all have to get up tomorrow and live our lives. Um, So yeah, you may find that you just need to be more ruthless with your extracurriculars or that if you really just want to spend more time outside, you may just need to get a buddy to commit to do this thing with like
0: accountability is huge. And and yeah, we aren't meant to kind of do, uh, life alone. So absolutely finding somebody else that shares that passion or that interest, uh, is a great way to, well, one, make a friend, but two, uh, help improve the likelihood that you're going to stay consistent and do it. So that's great advice. Uh, well, Lauren, uh, thank you so much. If anybody's interested in, if you want to follow along, uh, with her gardening adventures, you can Google Flora Colt and her, uh, sub newsletter will pop up. It's F-L-O-R-I-C-U-L-T, and what a great name, and thank you so much for being on The Next Simple Step today.
1: Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Appreciate it.
0: Very much. Thanks, Lauren. Appreciate it.